0: Well, how many can say that's a song I can live by yeah, yeah. and uh, Matt wrote that song yeah. what a great song yeah. That reminds us in life's dark moments. How many know praise can still fill our lips yeah. And it's the praise of God in dark times. that gives us hope to face tomorrow Come on. We'll give Jesus one more big hand today. He's worthy of our praise and once you tell your neighbor Merry Christmas I am glad you're here Well, great to see you this morning. Luke chapter 1 is where we're heading today. Luke chapter 1. We, uh, I often want to worship a bit longer on Sundays, and we just don't quite have enough time. But Wednesday night, this Wednesday, we're going to meet here and have a night of worship, and I think you'd really, really enjoy that. But uh, Christmas is my pretty much favorite time of the year. I love family traditions We have lived in Texarkana 27 years or so, and every year we make a pilgrimage to Mississippi where I was born. Uh, We have Christmas at my mom's house, and the kids have kind of followed up on that. Uh, I, I like live Christmas trees. When I was a boy, I lived on a farm. We'd go out and cut our tree. Uh, Unfortunately, now I have to cut mine at Lowe's every year. But uh, I'm still in that mode. But I, as much as I like all the trappings and all the the joyous times of Christmas, our main focus, how many know, is it's the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And that's why we're here today. Uh, The word Christmas itself, Webster's uh, Dictionary, 1828, defines Christmas as being a holy day, A holy day, not just a holiday, which means holy day, but it's a holy day in memory of the birth of Jesus Christ celebrated by church service. Isn't that cool? Sadly, today in America, I read a survey this week, 45% of Americans don't even believe Christmas has any religious significance, but we gather today honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Give him a big hand today. He is worthy. Luke chapter 1, we're going to go back in history, and we're going to look at some events that happened shortly before the first Christmas. They surround John the Baptist's parents primarily. John the Baptist, uh, of course, the forerunner of Christ. He was the great prophet in the New Testament. Uh, He was predicted hundreds of years earlier to come, but he was born six uh, six months before Jesus. And I want to read a bit about his story. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of King Herod, there was a priest named Zechariah, And he had a wife, her name was Elizabeth. And I want you to notice this next phrase. They're both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But verse 7 is the enigma, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and now they're both advanced in years. So here's my question. Two people that are righteous and blameless, they're not perfect, they're human beings, but they're living a godly life, they're serving the Lord, they're doing what God requires of them, they live by his word, but they can't have a child. So my question to you is why? Now I know if you know your Bible, you know the story that John the Baptist is going to be born, but now they're older in life; they've lived their whole life and uh, decades of disappointment wondering why God wouldn't answer their prayer. And this is a real-life tension. It's It's from an old passage in the Bible. But in our lives today, all of us as Christians face disappointments. There's things that we pray for that don't happen. There's things that we wait for, and it seems like we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Well, this morning I want to teach you about how our faith in God helps us do two things. Faith is the means whereby we receive from God... But faith also is how we endure the difficulties. Uh, uh, this, this faith gives us hope to endure while we're waiting. It's like two wings of an airplane. Faith to receive and faith to endure. And I want to show you an, ex- uh, an example, a quick video from a member in our church that's walking through this that uh, hopefully will inspire you. So take a peek. Her name is uh, Linda Baker.
1: My name is Linda Baker. Two years ago this month, I was diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer. I was told at MD Anderson that there's no cure for what I have. There's no surgery that will solve my problem. Their job would be to extend my life the best they can and improve its quality. Early after my diagnosis, I received a word from the Lord that he was healing me along with a myriad of promises from the Bible of his desire to heal his children. It's been two long years since this diagnosis and since his promise. And I'm still battling cancer. I've endured 30 chemos and 15 medical procedures. Does this mean that God has changed his mind? Does it mean that he has forgotten me? Absolutely not. God is not a man that he should lie and what he has promised he will see that it happens and I believe that I choose to stand upon that promise and I choose to believe and I choose to wait for his timing the God who raised people from the dead can certainly take care of any medical problem that I have I have drawn my line in the sand, and here I will stand, and I choose to believe.
0: Well, let's talk about this tension today standing in faith to believe that change will come, but faith that helps me endure and have a confidence in God each day. All of us will face times like this, it could be in our marriage, our finances, our health, with our children. But it's a part of the Christian journey why delays happen in our life and how we respond in them. I've entitled the message, Barren but Hopeful, and let's head back now towards John the Baptist and see in his parents an example of this very dynamic of receiving and enduring faith. First, let me draw a bigger picture. Let me say this. God knows the future. He knows the future of John the Baptist's parents. He knows your future and my future. God's keenly aware of the uh, uh, potential missile crisis in North Korea. He's keenly aware of presidential elections. He's keenly aware of tax bills and all sorts of things that are big in the world, but also the minute details of our own life. And somehow he has a master plan, and he's involved in accomplishing this plan in a broken world. Malachi chapter 3, the last prophet of the Old Testament, 400 years before Christ was born, Malachi speaks on God's behalf and said, Behold, I send my messenger this is John the Baptist, and he will prepare the way before me. In other words, John the Baptist is coming before Christ. And if we jump 400 years ahead in time, Matthew chapter 11, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John the Baptist and said, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. And then he quotes this scripture in Malachi. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So once again, just like we saw Isaiah's prophecy confirmed by history 700 years uh, uh, earlier, now Malachi's 400 years earlier. You know retailers are planning for next year's Christmas today. I read a survey in Forbes magazine, it was about retailers, and the question was, how far in advance do you need to plan your marketing for Christmas? And they said, right after the holiday season is over. So in other words, there's people that are in the business of selling, they're going through malls, they're looking on the internet, they're seeing what products sold quickly, what were left on the shelves, and they're making a plan for the future. Well, can I tell you this, friend? God plans ahead for the future, too. And he planned for a man named John the Baptist to come on the scene before Jesus Christ and to call the nation of Israel to repentance. Some, I've read that some scholars believe that John baptized hundreds of thousands of people in the wilderness. And he called the Jewish people to turn back to their Savior. And he introduced Jesus Christ to the world saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, this morning in this message, I want to give you some some practical lessons for today from this passage in the New Testament. And the first lesson is this, is that God has a master plan, and you and I are a part of it. Your life is not insignificant. Your life is not somehow haphazard. We don't live by luck. But God desires to orchestrate some level of decision and plan for our lives. You say, how do you know that? Psalm 139 says this, verse 16, the scripture says, God saw my unformed body. And he's talking about in the womb, before he was born. God saw my body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them has come to pass. In other words, this is not a mechanical Pinocchio when God is doing everything, but somehow God's sovereignty, the free will of man, Satan, is pushing our lives in different directions, but ultimately God is in control. So as, I, as we look in the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth today, we're going to see righteous and blameless, no child, confused, disappointed, but yet somehow there's a master plan of God at work And it's key that they endure until they see God's plan revealed. So I think this will help you this morning. Let's go back to Luke chapter 1. And let's look at these two examples that we can follow. Zechariah and Elizabeth, great mentors to follow. Again, Luke chapter 1, the days of Herod the king, a priest named Zechariah. And notice it says, of the division of Abijah, he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. This is Moses' sidekick, Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Very important because genealogies in the Bible. If you looked in Matthew or in Luke chapter 3, the, the, the genealogy in Luke traces Jesus Christ's birth all the way back to Adam, which tells us in this passage God was strategic, God was deliberate. God is not making mistakes, but God is deliberately trying to orchestrate our lives towards some predetermined end. But sometimes we can't see the end from the beginning and we're stuck at this <laughs> impasse of barrenness. And we're not sure what to do. Let's keep reading. Verse 6 Both Zechariah and Elizabeth, righteous before God. Now, this is a great epitaph for your life. I mean, this is a great, if you and I as a Christian want someone to say something about us that epitomizes uh, uh, biblical Christianity, if they were to say, You're righteous, you're living blamelessly, that's a pat on the back for living for Jesus. But the Scripture didn't stop there. It said they had no child. She was barren, and and now they're old. There's no way around this. They were suffering. Now, in this short passage, I can read a chapter of the Bible, in this case, Luke 1. And if I jump ahead to the 25th verse, as I'll do in a moment, John the Baptist is born. And in a matter of 15 seconds, 20, 30 seconds, maybe a minute if you meditate, I've read the whole story of John the Baptist just like that. But Zachariah and Elizabeth are living through decades. We don't know how long. It could be 30, 40 years. They were living a long time waiting for God to answer their prayer, but no answer. They're suffering. Well, actually, and she said this. She said God has taken away the disgrace of having no children. Verse 25, after he was born, he took the disgrace away. The disgrace she endured or the reason people were laughing at her. God took this away. Now, we see the beginning from the end, but I suggest to you that their suffering and confusion was compounded by the, a covenant promise. In other words, they had a promise in the Bible. We stand before you, we, 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 we talk about the Bible, the kids sang that cool little Bible verse. We view it as authoritative, we view it as, as, as you can count on it. At the end of this message, I'll give you an opportunity if you don't know Christ as your Savior I give you an opportunity to express your faith in Christ and begin to follow Him, all based on teachings of Scripture. Well, they had a teaching of Scripture that was just as plain. It's from the book of Deuteronomy that promised a child. Now, here's where the tension becomes stronger. In Deuteronomy 7, verse 12, the Scripture says, Because you listen to these rules and keep them, the commands of God, and remember Zacharias did, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant. And, he'll, and the steadfast love he swore to your fathers, he will love you. Now, when you've been praying for a baby for 25 years, it doesn't seem like God loves you. The promise is he'll love you, he'll bless you, he'll multiply you. He'll also bless the fruit of your womb, in other words, your children. So they went to church for 25, 30 years. They heard this read. It was the Torah. They would unfold the scroll. They'd read these words of, of Deuteronomy. They'd say amen in synagogue. But they'd probably go home at night and cry themselves to sleep. If you've ever met a woman who was barren that wanted a child and couldn't have one, she's desperate. If you saw her after the baby, she held that child in her arms. There was a joy that was indescribable. Well, these guys were the same way. She wanted a baby. She couldn't have one. God promised it in their scripture, but she couldn't understand why. Now, you and I understand God's timing. They did not. But they had to make a decision. Would they stop serving God or would they be faithful to God? In other words, would they, that wing of endurance, would their faith keep them in a time they didn't understand? Let me give you some lessons from this passage today. The second lesson is we don't always know what's going on behind the scenes. They had no way of knowing. Uh, in their particular case, their disappointment was caused by God's timing. Uh, it, it's like a clock. Uh, yesterday afternoon, I, I, my, what I do on Saturdays is normally I work in the yard or something in the morning and I try to have lunch and then I try to have some downtime for a couple hours, maybe take a little nap before church on Saturday. Well, I, laid, I, I went to take my nap and I, I put my alarm clock, my Apple phone, I put it on 310 to wake me up. Well, how many know, I sat at about 2, and at 2.10, nothing happened. 2.15, 2.30, 2.40, 2.50, 3 o'clock, nothing. 3.05, nothing. But then at 3.10, beep, 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 beep. I hit the snooze just like you do. And then 10 minutes later, beep, nine minutes later, beep, 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 beep. You see, there's a timing that's involved. And that was one key thing for them. But in other cases of Scripture, this disappointment is because Satan interferes. In Daniel, you remember the Old Testament... Uh, Daniel was praying, and the scripture says that that, that as soon as he began to pray, God sent an angel with the answer, but for three weeks, Satan hindered him in the heavenlies. A demonic angel was there. Uh, Other times, the choices other people make. Uh, If you're on the ship with Jonah in the Mediterranean Sea, and you're in a storm, you didn't cause that storm, but somebody in your boat did. And there's other times when things we absolutely cannot explain in life, we forget sometimes that we live in a world that just carries evil in its midst. If you stand in a forest, all you see is the trees above ground, but you can't see all the roots. If you put your shovel in the ground, you're going to hit root after root after root. And I suggest to you, evil in the world in which we live is like the roots that are underground. When God told Adam and Eve in the the Garden of Eden, the day you eat this fruit, you're going to surely die. This is exactly what we're talking about. And sometimes things happen in life, and there's not an explanation. Last week after church, before our Christmas party, we're going to have fun. And I got a call from someone in our church, and they said one of our family members had had a tragedy. And I went by the home, and, and uh, this young man was working on his car Sunday morning. And the jack, I guess, failed or broke, and it fell on his head and crushed him, and he instantly died. And I go see his wife, and she's holding this infant child, and said, tell me why this happened. I can't tell you other than that there's roots. Are you with me today? So there's a lot of reasons why we might live with disappointment in life. But the question is... Can my faith get me through it and my circumstances change? Or can my faith give me the power to endure what's happening? And my answer to both is yes. Let me give you another lesson. Keep following the Lord when you don't understand why God hasn't changed your circumstances. This is highly pivotal because in the midst of the disappointment, it seems like God doesn't care. And all our feelings tell us to stop, but faith tells us to keep going. Faith tells us that God is still good, even in the midst of something bad. And faith, according to the Bible, is the means whereby we receive. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, no one can please God. If you come to God, you must believe He's real. And you must believe He rewards those who truly want to find Him. So there is just, faith is simply a decision to believe and act. If you go out to, to date, if you're doing some last minute shopping, and maybe you go by Sam's or Best Buy, and you find what you want, you've got this, you know, big HD TV, and you come to the counter and you say, "Merry Christmas," they're going to call that guy with the gun. Are you, are you with me today? No, they want a currency to exchange. They want you to give them money, and they'll give you a gift. And the currency of exchange with heaven is our faith. It is our capacity, our willingness, our ability to believe. In God's Word to us. Now, let me develop this with you because the Bible clearly teaches that we need faith to endure difficulty. Uh, Hebrews 11, of course, is the great chapter of faith. I don't have time to read it all, but it's the most inspiring chapter of faith in the Bible of people who faced difficult circumstances, whether it was Noah or Abraham or Moses or Gideon or a multitude of people had things going on that they could not control or handle, but they believed that God could and would, and miracles happen. But do you know this great chapter on receiving faith is preceded and also followed by enduring faith? Hebrews chapter 10 says, verse 36, "'You have need of endurance.'" So when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Zachariah and Elizabeth, you have need of endurance. John Miller, you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us run with endurance the race set before us. And then it tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Listen, the only way I can go through some severe difficulties is, come on, when I stay rightly connected to Christ. When my relationship with God is alive and it's real and my prayer life is strong and and I'm reading the scripture and I'm worshiping and I'm pouring out my heart to God. You see, as I stray close to God, my faith will carry me through. Well, let's keep going. Verse 8. Again, Zechariah, he's serving as the priest, which simply means he was doing his duties in in the temple complex. Well, he's there. He's by himself and an angel appears to him. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Very key. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you'll call his name John. Now here's the next lesson. Faith-filled prayer is necessary for change to occur. Let me say it again. When you're in a spot, when you are like Zechariah and Elizabeth and you want a baby... And, and there's no biblical reason for you not to pursue that path. Listen, it takes prayer for change to happen. Prayer is how we survive while waiting a long time. Prayer is what we do. My wife went through breast cancer. Praise the Lord, she's cancer-free now. Uh, but I remember uh, she couldn't sleep much at night. I don't have any problem sleeping. When I'm in bed, I can sleep a long time. But I would wake up sometimes early, and I would reach over, and she w- would be gone. She'd be out of the bed. It could be 4 in the morning, four thirty, 6, I mean, she just said she couldn't sleep. And when I would go in the living room, I would hear worship music praying. Worship music was playing. I'd hear her crying out to God. And her cry was not just a begging, Oh, God, if you don't do this, I'm not going to have Santa Claus this year. No, it wasn't like that. It was, Lord, thank you that you are mindful of my situation. Thank you that you care about me. Thank you that you were the God who healed in the past, and you're still the God who heals today. Listen, prayer, prayer helps us get through. Because it may not always be God's timing. It may be satanic attack in your life. It may be the devil's just trying to stop you and hold you down. But either way, we pray through. Whether it's timing, whether it's the devil, whether it's someone else in our life that's complicating things, prayer is essential. And and this also shows us when he says your prayer has been heard. There was an expectation in this prayer because you and I need to get in position. We need faith to get in position to receive from God. Now, tune me in on this one. Faith is somewhat abstract, but the Bible says of faith in Hebrews 11, faith means being sure of what we hope for. It is knowing that something is real even if we don't see it. Faith is a confidence that I have in God. Faith helps me walk through things I could not walk through on my own. Let me give you an example of Abraham, probably the best in the Bible. Abraham's called the father of faith. If I were to ask this question, how many in this room today are 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Who'd raise your hand? Yeah. Listen, if you're not, we'd be honored to pray with you later. Well, if I would say, prove it to me, or a secular person were to say, well, prove that to me. You simply have to say, I believe God's word. I believe the historical veracity of the Scripture. I believe the proofs of archaeology. I believe history's proof through biblical documents, etc., etc. But at some point, whether I'm a Ph.D. in biblical studies or whether I didn't even graduate high school, I've got to say, I believe. Whether we're majorly educated or have no education at all, I choose to believe. Our faith is not irrational; it is irrational, but it is still at its core faith. Now, let me tell you how Abraham. If I could take the abstract and and show you how this faith works, because it's not a passive belief, it's an active engagement. Uh, Romans chapter four, verse sixteen. Abraham is talking about faith for salvation, but the prom, but the but the application's clear. Uh, Romans four says the promise is received by faith, and this is very key. For Abraham is the father of all who believe, which means we can follow his example. And this is what the scriptures mean when God told him. Now, this is key. Faith is not like an Aladdin's lamp that I say, Oh God, oh God, I'd like to have a new Benelli shotgun. I'm believing in Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the name that's above all names. It'll be a three-and-a-half-inch... Are you with me? I'm not talking about rubbing the deal to get the best deal on Amazon. I'm not talking about some way to manipulate with God, but I'm talking about a way to respond to His Word, to His promise, to His will for our life. And God gave Abraham a promise. Now, if I could tell you this story quickly... Abraham was the father of, of he never had the father of not the Jewish nation, but the father of the Palestinians and the Muslims. But Abraham was going to be God's ticket to show us that faith, or salvation comes by our faith. But God gave him a promise at 75 that he was going to have so many children, it would be like all the stars in the sky. The only problem, though, was he didn't have any kids. So God gave him a promise, and it took 25 years. He was 100 when his child was born, Sarah was 90. How many ladies will say, thank God, I don't have a baby at 90. I mean, (laughs) but, but, but he's an example of faith. And listen to what he said. God said, I have made you past tense. I've spoken this to you, which means there's a reality in this. I've made you the father of many nations. And this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So I ask you today, do you believe God can create new things out of nothing in your life, in your finances, in your marriage, if you're Zechariah and Elizabeth? Notice what it said. It said, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Here's the choice. Believing that he would become the father of many nations because God had said to him. Now, let me say this. I've shared a number of times. After my wife had breast cancer, I had this anxiety, this stress meltdown. They... the, The diagnosis was an anxiety disorder, but it was not like worry like you might think about today. It had nothing to do with worry that was a conscious thing. But I had to take three months off work. I was not in the pulpit for three months because I absolutely did not feel like I could engage my life. I felt like there was this invisible barrier, and I could not cross. I had medical things that happened. Doctors helped me, but they didn't fix it. Psychologists, counselors, and it was a wall. And my son's wedding was coming up, and I felt like I'll never be able to. I can't even do his wedding. This thing was so strong in my life. Uh, On our anniversary, we went out to celebrate. We were going to a nice restaurant, and I had a panic attack. And I said, honey, I I cannot go in that restaurant. We just drove through Wendy's, and she took me home. I felt like I had reached the edge, and I didn't have enough within me to go further. If you've never been to a place like that, I hope you never are. But sooner or later, you will be, even if it's your own death. You'll face something in life that you cannot get beyond. I'm laying in my bed one morning, and I heard a voice when I wake up, woke up. It was not a voice that I heard with these ears, but I heard inside, but it was as real as I'm speaking to you today. And that voice said, "When you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren." And something came alive in me. It made me believe that God had spoken to me, just like Abraham, and, and just like Zechariah and Elizabeth had a promise that they were holding on to. So I would get out of bed in the morning with no feeling whatsoever. And say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Philippians 1, 6, the one who started the good work in me, he will bring it to completion. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And listen, my faith helped pull me out of the ditch. Well, this is what Abraham did. He never wavered in believing God's promise. And listen, friends, if you feel like if I'm speaking to you today, the Bible says Abraham's faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. And can I tell you, friends, your faith can grow stronger, and mine can too, because how many know God is still good even in the darkest hour? Come am we'll going give him a big hand today. Now let me wrap this up. Zachariah said to the angel, well, how shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years, and he was now speaking doubt and unbelief. And the angel answered him, you're going to be silent, not speaking until the day these things happen, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now, look at me just these last couple moments. Doubt and unbelief is like water to fire. Doubt will make you want to say no and quit. Well, faith makes you say yes and keep going. And isn't it amazing, Zechariah believed for 20, 30 years, but now when it finally came, he said, I can't believe it. My wife and I were musing over this this morning. Uh, Rebecca uh, made a 32 on her ACT, and and it was the goal. You know, that's where you, competitive scholarships and everything. And she studied hard, and she had teachers and all these things that she did. And when she sent us the text message, we couldn't remember who said it. But it was one of us who said, I can't believe it. (laughs) She made a 32. I can't believe it. I bet you said the same thing, too. Because faith and sometimes our reason and our experience are fighting. Doubt and unbelief will keep you from receiving from God. But let me, let me step back just a moment and ask you this question before we close. What if Zechariah and Elizabeth had never had a baby? Sometimes what we pray for does not happen. I would do you a disservice if I told you if you just had enough faith, it would happen just the way you pray. Because sometimes it does not. There's an element about our prayer according to God's will. There's an element of our timing. The Jewish people were promised that they would inherit the promised land, but for 400 years, generation after generation, died in Egypt, and they didn't receive the promise. There's even a passage in Hebrews 11 that talks about this, that some people die in faith not having received the promise, but here's what it tells us. They had their eye fixed on their heavenly home. See, when I pray sometimes, I'm looking at my circumstances right now, and all I can see is I don't have a baby. I can't see God's timing. I don't know when it's going to happen, but all I know is, it, 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 is I hadn't had a baby. I'd like a baby. I don't know what else to do, and it seems like I can't get there. Sometimes the things we pray for don't happen. I, I, I'll tell a story. Now, honey, you're going to have to put your, ear, your fingers in your ears. But many years ago when I was in the Navy... Uh, I, I was serving God. Everything was great in my life. I had a direction. I had everything but a girlfriend. So I figured, you know what? Lord, I sure would like a girlfriend. And I picked one out. Put you. She was cute. Cute. Did I tell you she was cute? She loved God. She was a dental technician. So I'd have clean teeth for the rest of my life. I mean, you know, I can't get any better. Than that. But on a serious note... Um, I left Alaska thinking that this may be the person I marry and I go to Japan while I was in the Navy and I never hear from her again. I send, It was before texts and emails. I send letters, I send gifts and packages and all of a sudden one day I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my faith in high gear. I picked it. True, now, don't laugh at me, okay? But I'm going to tell you how sincere I was. I was 20-something, early in 20s. I said, I'm going to believe God that I'm going to receive a letter from her So I'll be able to marry her by Friday afternoon. I go to that Navy post office full of faith, believing. Flip through the mail, nothing. I waited. Everybody left. It's a true story. Not to be deterred, I went back to my barracks room. And I believed an angel would bring and put that letter under my pillow. Don't you laugh at me because some of you have done the same thing. I got back to my barracks room. Nobody was there but me. I looked under my pillow, and there was nothing there. And I had a crisis of faith because I was just looking right here, and I thought, God let me down. I prayed. I believed. I did all I knew to do, and God didn't let me have what, what I wanted. And for two weeks, I punished God. I didn't go to church or Bible study. But I made a decision after a couple of weeks and said, you know what? He may not have done this the way I wanted, but I don't understand it. But I'm going to still follow God. I had no idea that this beautiful, godly, spirit-filled, lovely woman was around the corner. Because all I could see was this. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers. Sometimes because there's a lanell coming, sometimes it's timing. Sometimes evil is just in the world and there's tree roots that mess things up. But God is still a good God. As we close this story in Luke 51, the time came, the baby's born. And now this proud father is holding this child. He's holding a prophet that will herald the coming of the Messiah. And friend, the last message I'd give you today is God always keeps his word. God always fulfills his promises. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. How many can say this morning, Pastor? You're talking to me because I feel like Zachariah and Elizabeth. I'm in a time of my life where I'm trying to live for God, but there's a barrenness, and I need my faith to be increased. Would you lift your hand right now? Pray for me, Pastor. I feel like I'm going through some of this. Yeah. I want to close with this last scripture, and I want to, give it, I want to read it for you that are in the midst of this difficulty in your life right now. Listen to the words of Paul the Apostle. Paul was one of the greatest men of the New Testament. Paul was a man who had a literal vision of heaven. The Bible says he had an out-of-body experience. He went to what's called the third heaven in the very presence of God. It doesn't get any closer to God than that. Well, here's what he said, 2 Corinthians 12. He said, I refrain from boasting because of my great revelations, these spiritual things I saw. He said, in order to keep me from becoming conceited or pride, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, he didn't tell us what it was, but I believe I can make a strong argument from the Bible that it was a problem with his eyes. And I cannot think of a greater limiting factor in life than if you can't see. I used to wear glasses for years until I had laser surgery. I know what it's like not to be able to to, to squint and not be able to see unless you put your glasses on or to get out of bed and can't even read the alarm clock unless you look at it like that. Can you imagine if you're Paul and everywhere you go around the Mediterranean, somebody's trying to kill you. They're beating you, they're stoning you, and you can't see them coming. Can you imagine what a detriment that might be? But here's what the he said. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is a word for God's ability. It's not just willpower. It's not just my strength, but it's something supernatural. And the definition of this word means that it's adequate to help me be content during the trial. In other words, I'm Zachariah and Elizabeth. I want a baby. I've cried for a baby. But until I get one, I can still be content. I have faith that it's going to happen, but I can be content because grace is there. And Scripture says, my power, God is saying, is made perfect in your weakness. And then he goes on to say, when I'm weak then I'm strong. Can I tell you this, friends? Zachariah and Elizabeth knew the grace of God. I've known the grace of God, and so can you. And if you're here today and there's something in your life that's a kind of a giant or a wall standing in your way, my prayer for you today is grace, grace, grace grace, until you get to the other side. Come on, give him a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? And... uh, we want to close with a personal prayer for you today. We're going to sing this song through and then we're going to dismiss. And as, in just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to have our prayer team come forwards here and I'm just going to make, a, make, make, make an opportunity for you. Maybe you're in that place of Zechariah and Elizabeth. You're barren, but you don't want your faith to fail. You want us to pray for you today that your faith is going to be strong so you can receive, but strong so you can endure we're gonna pray for you, friends. Not just are we gonna pray for you, for your faith, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to give I need to get right with God today. Maybe just being in service today makes you realize that you've been the life you've been living is not what you want. You wanna to begin to follow Christ. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, that he wants me to follow him. And today I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. This is your moment, friend. It's the greatest gift you could ever receive at Christmas. It's the gift of salvation. See, Jesus did his part on the cross when he grew to be a, a grown man. He gave his life for our sins. But his salvation's offer is just like a Christmas present under the tree. I many of that present, unless you go and pick it up and open it, it's going to remain under the tree. You've got to receive him as your Savior. So as we begin to sing, if you feel like I'm talking to you, maybe you've gotten away from God and you want to make steps back to God to get right with Christ. This is not joining the church It's beginning afresh your relationship with God. If that's you, we're just going to invite you to come today and let us pray for you. Prayer team, you come right now. They're going to begin to sing. And if you need prayer for any of these things, you come let us pray today.